This is the John Favreau is My Daddy podcast with Jessica Garcia and Monica Montoya. That sneaky sound. <laughs> <laughs> um, should we start now? Yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> when did we switch into this? Like, oh, hello. <laughs> this is my new podcast persona. She's like yeah. a slinky cat. Who, yeah, like, is rubs her, name her down Donna? like against your leg. <laughs> okay. Uh, hello. Hello. Uh, uh, my name is Monica Montoya, and I'm Jessica Garcia. And you are listening to John Favreau is allegedly my daddy, a podcast for people who didn't go to film school who love films. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. Yeah. What a great, what a great day. <laughs> <laughs> to clarify, we do say allegedly just because he is not, in fact, our father. Yeah. John Favreau didn't. <laughs> birth me <laughs> nor did he no <laughs> do you think the word conceive. daddy makes anyone uncomfortable <laughs> oh. <laughs> um our our main goal for this podcast is to make sure that eventually one day daddy favreau will find this and want to come on and daddy fav Papa discuss John. his life with us hopefully maybe i hope he'll approve really i hope he likes it i, I hope it's not like a julie julia situation <laughs> where she's just like no she's fuck like this blog. fuck it's you terrible. <laughs> we'll get to that um anyway uh let's uh, talk about why we're here yeah so how did this pod get started monica um i mean i it was born in a simple joking text to you was it not um yeah it really <laughs> <laughs> i just said what if i started a podcast called john favreau is my daddy and I, monica said do it <laughs> yeah i'm i feel like i've i'm a doer <laughs> you're a pusher katie you're, you're a, a pusher, pusher. <laughs> um yeah i'm i'm a doer <clears throat> So when people bring ideas to me, like I make them happen. Uh, so basically, <laughs> um, but in all, like in in all seriousness, uh, it did start off as like a meme, a, a text, basically. Uh, yeah, and it sort of just evolved into this idea of like both of our significant others are are like white film people. Yeah, film like grads you know your classic like serious film boy yeah, like uh no offense no, no offense their opinion and their you. knowledge very very valuable a message not to... the same knowledge i have yes nor the same opinions yes i uh, love good movies yes but i also love movies they hate fred claus you know we're gonna talk about movies like fred claus like mama mia monster-in-law monster-in-law but we're also gonna talk about big award women award women award winning award women <laughs> critically acclaimed films I need because that. those are important too but i always felt like my my film opinion didn't belong in those circles because i found myself talking in those circles a lot just because of who i know and i'm like oh i like trash too and i think there's value in quote unquote <laughs> trash or things that you know like aren't <laughs> 
that the critics don't love. <laughs> I don't I don't want to have to watch, you know, Phantom Thread and talk about like how amazing the cinematography was. I all I mean I do want to talk about that, but I also want to talk about the fact that Daniel Day-Lewis is a fucking daddy. <laughs> he can get it he can get it for sure he has gotten it not with me but with someone (laughs) i was gonna say Uh, jessica is not single (laughs) no and i'm also not dating daniel day lewis (laughs) um for those of you who need to know we are two women two women living in los angeles see i live in los feliz and i live Wow. <laughs> or Los Feliz if you're... Uh, if you're a piece of trash. If you're a layman. I know. Um, and I live in Pasadena. <laughs> That's Pasadena for <laughs> for the whites listening. And in case you didn't know, hola. We're both Hispanic. Hispanic. I'm only a half, though. Yeah, she's... Only, she's <laughs> and I'm white as shit, you guys. So, she's like, white. I'm not going to pretend. <laughs> I'm not going to pretend. But, you know, it's nice. It's nice <laughs> to know that there are two people out there. You know, shout out to all the people listening in their homes right now. We decided to release a podcast during quarantine when no one is fucking commuting to work. Not a soul. <laughs> but I, I do know that while you're sitting doing your puzzles, maybe you're watching a John Favreau movie. I don't know. You should be. You should be. not. Um, maybe you'll think, oh, I'm going to go. I'm going to I'm going to put a podcast on. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. While I'm while I'm like you know, twiddling my thumbs to to swim. <laughs> maybe, I'll, maybe I'll put a podcast. Maybe on. I'll put a little pod on, and hopefully it's this one, you guys. I hope so, because I we just want you to love John Favreau as much as we do. Obviously, this whole podcast can't be all about John Favreau. That would be fucking stupid. It would be a dumb pod. I mean, it would be great for like a few episodes, but then but it would then- really go downhill. But. It just really got us thinking about, like, who are those performers in Hollywood who are powerhouses who do everything? Because John Favreau, he's not just an actor. He does everything. He's a writer. He's a director. Hacky all sack around king. He loves cooking. Have you guys watched the Have chef show? Have you guys show? seen him use his hands? He knows how to how to cut an onion. Oh, yeah. Like, mm. like uh, Roy Choi over there. Roy Choi. Shout out Roy Choi. He's another daddy, but a daddy of the culinary world. Different and that is daddy. not what this podcast is about, unfortunately. We'll talk about some stuff. <laughs> Maybe we'll throw a little. Maybe we'll throw you a little. We'll throw a little Roy in there for you there. someday. <laughs> but so today's episode, the first episode, is about our namesake, our daddy, John Favreau. Bless him. God bless. bless daddy Favreau. Say a little uh, prayer for John. Let's take it back. Let's take it all the way back. Let's, let's take, take it back to all swingers. the way back. Oh, the to way 1996, back. my friends. 1996. What a year. <laughs> what a year. I was one years old. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> was I born? I don't know. Uh, he that was that was his his first like big thing. Yeah, so that was also um, very small. Very small, but became very big. Definitely written by John Favreau. Directed by Doug Lyman. Yeah. Friend absolutely. of John. Uh, this movie, put him on the map, as they say. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I don't know. I just know that the film was made for two hundred thousand dollars, and they sold it to Miramax for five mil. And I then, think it was. I think that's incorrect. I think it was made for two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Okay, well, I missed a fifty thousand dollars <laughs> in there, but you get the gist. Made for very it. little, but sold for quite a lot. Yes. So we're gonna give you a quick sum. Of yeah, the movie. and I saw and I have little... never watched this film. Um, chock full of daddies is what I so say many. about this movie. It's uh, John Favreau and his horny foil, <laughs> Vince Vaughn. <laughs> With a quick little nice cameo from Heather Graham at the end, oh, a yes, certified so female daddy up in here. Oh, yes. Okay, so this movie is about a transplanted New Yorker attempting to acclimate to Los Angeles. Mike Peters, played by John Favreau, is struggling to both boost his comedy career and get over his last relationship. Womp. <laughs> a self-proclaimed master of seduction, Mike's buddy Trent Walker, played by Vince Vaughn, tries to show him how to make connections and get the attention of women. Slowly moving toward regaining his confidence, Mike meets the gorgeous and down-to-earth Lorraine, played by Heather Graham, sparking a welcome new romance. Wow, that was great. That was fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, women, also known as babies. <laughs> Beautiful babies <laughs> Beautiful is what they babies. call them the entire time. I think that's my only issue with the film. It does make yeah. me laugh. But also makes me cry in a little, in a yeah. in a small way. <laughs> However, Vince Vaughn is the one doing it most of the time, I and know. I kind of forgive him and for like, it. He's the he's the horny racist foil. <laughs> That's horny racist, <laughs> sexist, misogynist foil. But wow, look at that jawline. Yeah, oh, he looks man. he looks okay. We, we, he looks great in this film. Everyone in this movie, John Favreau looks fucking fire. He, he's glistening. His face. He's glistening. That bone film. structure, like I cannot get over it. Vince Vaughn, oh, a work of art. That was me doing a chef's kiss for the listeners out chef's there because uh, podcasting is an audio medium. Indeed. We've got to make this really visual for you guys. Yeah, I want you to like see it and feel it. Feel it. See and it, Ron baby. Livingston, early, early role for Ron, but he looks piping hot. Piping hot. Piping. Cup of hot cocoa in the middle of July, baby. <laughs> That's real hot, everyone. Super hot. Scalding. <laughs> Um, yeah, so this, in case you guys don't know, this is the movie where the, uh, famous, widely used phrases, you're so money, you're grown's up, and Vegas, baby, <laughs> this is where they come from. This is where they come from. I did read something about how calling something money is actually from, like, Spike Lee doing an ad like a commercial for something i think with I michael it. jordan oh i believe it and then it came into this movie and this kind of popularized it a bit more um of course it did <laughs> and the, i guess we should tell you why the movie is called swingers i think it's for a few different reasons one apparently is about is after swingers diner on beverly boulevard that's the one that i heard yeah i have been there many a time i've been there can confirm once. really bad <laughs> <laughs> Really, sorry, it's, it's never it's never been good, and okay. I yet I kept going back throughout college. But you know, <laughs> don't come for us, Swingers Diner. <laughs> don't come for us, please, please uh, uh, sponsor us, no, <laughs> Swingers sponsor Diner. Really swingers Diner. <laughs> I actually think it might have closed. Oh, R.I.P. I know. We'll have to fact um, check that. But this sorry, movie... this isn't <laughs> this isn't Dex Shepherd's podcast. <laughs> 
No, we won't be fact checking because Monica and I I, uh, don't care. We don't. (laughs) Uh, Listen at your own discretion. Unless it's something really bad, we will mention it. Yeah, like maybe we'll think. Maybe we'll go back and look at the Spike Lee. Yeah, no, no, totally. I think he deserves cred if if it's his. Um, But it's also called Swingers because in the 1990s there was a swing revolution. It started in 1989 and then got huge, especially in California. And I guess I never really knew that. Are, wait, are you serious? Yeah, you didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. You didn't notice Sally, all the I swing shit in the movie? <laughs> I'm taking that dog. <laughs> <laughs> wait, I, I swear I can do better. I'm taking the dog. <laughs> wrong, uh, film. wrong film. Wrong film. But, but seriously? Yeah. So there was a huge swing revolution in the 1990s, and it hit like all the major cities and then it was really huge in oh. California. And that's how, like, the band Big Bad Voodoo Daddy was a like, <gasps> huge. They're that in band. the movie. They're in the movie. They're playing at the Brown Derby. At oh, the end. no way. Fun yeah. fact. Fun we fact. Get, like, Monica a... did not do her homework. I, I did think do my homework. homework. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, this is one of those things that I, like, I have seen things from the 90s set in LA. And I have seen this aesthetic before that is in Swingers. And I never was like, Oh, I guess Swing made a comeback in the nineties. I know, I never saw it, and I think I think it happened like with the big like ska thing, like the big ska revolution. Everyone was (laughs) shout out Gwen Stefani, but (laughs) she's a daddy. She's a music daddy. We don't get into music daddies on this podcast, but I think like of course, of course, Swing had a fucking enormous revolution. Of course, it had like a big comeback, baby, (laughs) because. Every song from the fucking 90s was like the same shit. Yeah. So. No, that's true. That's true. I just think it's funny that at the end of this movie, we're supposed to believe that John Favreau is an amazing swing dancer. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> uh, do you think he do you think do you think it was him or was it? No, it was him. Double? Him and Heather Graham apparently would go to the Brown Derby and just like practice swing dancing and then like go to each other's apartments and practice for the movie. And the Brown Derby is where, you know, on the corner of Hillhurst and Los, and Los Fields Boulevard, where that... We uh, live in Los Angeles. Where, <laughs> where that bank is next to Mess Hall. Yes. Like, that's where the Brown Derby was. It closed in, like, the early 2000s, I think. Oh, R.I.P., man. L.A. is getting so R.I.P. I would, like, uh, let this... <laughs> let it be known that I would, like, a second swing revolution, please, I 2020. I love it. When I was in college for the two months I was in college... I joined the uh, ballroom dance club. I learned how to foxtrot. That's not the same thing, Monica. It's basically the same. You could thing. never have been in swingers. I I could have been in swingers. I feel like. So, your general opinion on the movie? Do you do you love this movie? I love this film. I do as well. I watched it for the first time probably like four or five months right. ago. Right. It's, it's what you. It's what made you see John Favreau as a daddy. It's what made me see John Favreau as a daddy, even though I always loved him because I was getting really into watching The Chef Show. Oh, and then I was like, I need to see his early work. And so I watched Swingers. This is it. This is and it. And this was his first. Yep. And I was I was sold. And that's when I texted Monica and I was like, I just saw, saw Swingers for the first time. And Fabulous film. I'm obsessed with him because he is so attractive in this film. Oh, yes. I could cry. Absolutely. And I I just, I love how, like, young and stupid and scrappy this film is. Like, the way that it was filmed, the way it was made. Obviously, like, 99.9% of all of that had to do with the fact that they had a $250,000 budget, which is nothing. Although, I would love 
$250,000 in my pocket. Well, apparently they used all of it for music because they had tons of huge songs in this movie. Huge. Um, And then the budget for everything else was so small. (laughs) They just like shot in random bars during business hours. Yeah, exactly. They couldn't afford extras, so they decided to film during business hours at (laughs) bars. And the apartment that is John Favreau's apartment in the movie is his apartment in real life. Which, that is a sad fucking apartment. I'm so sorry, John. Listen, it's quaint. He doesn't have a bed, Monica. He does not have a bed. (laughs) (laughs) He has a sink, she says. Is that also the toilet? Because I didn't see that either. When he's looking in the mirror. Fact check this, someone. <laughs> someone please tell me where was the bathroom in John Bauer's apartment. Si- it's I'm not worried. A, I didn't say a bathroom. <laughs> I said a sink. <laughs> I'm worried about him. I'm worried about him 25 years ago. I'm not worried about him anymore, though. Not anymore, man. He is swimming in it. He's swimming. swimming. He's got a Scrooge moment going on. But yeah, so if you have not seen Swingers, I would recommend it for anyone who loves to look at men and objectify them in the early 90s and also enjoys like a good i wouldn't say raunchy but just like a good like friend movie yes there are some things about this movie that i don't understand and do make me uncomfortable Mm -hmm. (laughs) like i don't understand why they had to go to vegas I don't know why it was Vegas either. <laughs> why did they have to go? There are plenty of Indian casinos here, guys. Jessica, it was only four hours away. <laughs> only four hours. My favorite scene in the whole movie in the middle of the night. is when they're driving there yeah. and they're like fucking hyped up. And then after a while. Vegas, baby. Vegas. Vegas. Vegas, baby. Vegas, baby. Vegas, baby. Like, that's basically the whole time. It's so good. And then when they get there, they just blow all of their money and end up trying to, like, fuck these two girls. And I don't know about you, Monica. This is a thing I don't understand about men in general. I don't understand how they're all so comfortable with their friend having sex with someone within in the same room. What is that? In, like, that tiny little RV. Yeah, I mean, just like, I'm just going to go into this this other room and fuck this girl. Why? What is this? I, I don't get it. I have never heard of, like, women ever doing that. No. I've I've experienced it where, like, there's a party going on, and then I'm aware that a girl has, like, taken, a, someone taken a man away into another room Upstairs, to probably, probably have sex. Yeah. But, like, there that's fine. There's a lot going on. They and probably also, like, lock that. the door and shit. Exactly. These, but, like, this, this is a curtain. This is a matter of feet. <laughs> I would say six feet probably less than six feet did you see the size of that rv very very tiny it wasn't no it wasn't even an rv it was a fucking trailer Uh, yeah i was about to say that's the same thing and then i was like no they're not no they're not the same thing rvs are significantly bigger (laughs) sometimes i guess you could have a big trailer but anyway alas we very very small uh space that (laughs) i would be really uncomfortable with i um the thing that I like the most about this film is that not only is it like young and scrappy and yeah. a nothing film that has a lot in it. Yeah. But I like that it's literally like he he wrote the screenplay about living in LA, chilling with his friends, what their dating lives were like. And I think it's really truthful to that to that. I feel like every guy, every like decent John Favreau type has like a Vince Vaughn type yeah. in their circle who's always like he's, he's the horny racist misogynistic foil. I don't have any of those. We don't. <laughs> I'm talking about men. Men's men. So, you know, for for any for any underdog who's just been through a breakup, 
this movie is for you this movie is for you it'll give you hope it'll hype you up maybe you'll drive to vegas uh and get a beautiful I baby i don't know vegas with a beautiful baby i i do not know but yeah this movie is great it's iconic a lot of iconic shots all those beautiful shots of film. the party sequences yes. of the five of them all arriving separately oh yes and that that really nice freeze when they first enter that party <laughs> the five of them in a row i think that's one of my favorite things ever oh and then they drive to the Dresden and the five of them pull in separately to different Absolutely. parking spots. The fucking balls to take five separate cars in Los Angeles, though. Isn't that, that fucked up? That, that really was one gets thing I commented. That's fucking disrespectful. Y'all, Disrespect. of course you're from out of state and you're doing that. Like, don't take up all those parking spots. There's barely anything <laughs> there. Um, yeah, 10 out of 10. If 10 you're lonely, out of 10. If you miss your friends during quarantine, if you're a guy, if you're a gal, if you're anyone, watch this film. You gotta... So then we'll uh, move chronologically, I guess, into our uh, a much next daddy film. Film, much different, starring a real a real big daddy, like a huge daddy, Robert Downey Jr. Robert guys. Downey Jr. But but directed by John Favreau, which is why we're here. Yeah, and and a screenplay by like five different guys. Yeah, uh, allegedly it was like written on set. So who knows. Who knows what's who knows what's happening with that screenplay? Maybe we'll fact check that. But yeah. So um yeah, we can't we can't trust our our audio engineer who told us that. <laughs> um so I love Iron Man for two different reasons. But before we get into that, I'll I'm gonna go ahead and read this beautiful synopsis read that, that we beautiful ripped summary. off the internet. A transplanted New Yorker That's not the right movie. It's <laughs> highlighted in fucking yellow. <laughs> Iron Man, 2008, and that is a 2008 fucking ass movie, (laughs) if I've ever seen one. A billionaire industrialist and genius inventor, Tony Stark, a.k.a. Robert Downey Jr., is conducting weapons tests overseas, but terrorists kidnap him to force him to build a devastating weapon. Instead, he builds an armored suit and upends his captors. Returning to America, Stark refines the suit and uses it to combat crime. And terrorism. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yummy stuff. Yummy stuff. For truly. those folks who like superheroes. A lot of war. I'm not one of them. <laughs> ah, mm. <laughs> I will make a case for this, for this movie simply because I think it's a really fucking well-made film. I will say that when I was watching it because, uh, full discretion, I had never seen it before because... She had not. As I've said, not a big superhero fan. I'm sorry. I'm sure a lot of mainly boys will n- dislike me for And that. girls. Sure, but I'm... Uh, <laughs> Everyone, you, you, you don't know. understand. Everyone's going to dislike you. I don't think you're, <laughs> you're eliminating a whole section okay, of the fine. population. A lot of people dis- are going to hate me for that statement. <laughs> but, um, so I'd never seen it, and this was my first time watching it, and I did, I was like, this is incredibly made. It looks fantastic. It's it doesn't beautiful. look like, because I've seen a few of the Marvel movies, the more recent ones, and I'm, oh, no. a lot of them, I'm just like, everything is so saturated oh yeah everything is blue or red (laughs) yeah (laughs) no in between (laughs) but iron man it looked great it's a movie ass movie it's a film ass film yeah um john favreau directed it he's also in it yeah cameo happy hogan happy hogan uh also robert downey jr acts the fuck out of this part he He really fucking embodies who tony stark is which is like a pretentious genius asshole who doesn't really understand like consequences mm-hmm. and i think that th- throughout this film like they things like that become more clear to him and i think that after 
his time in the hole he he understands that like there's more to life than just being a fucking douchebag asshole playboy tell us how you really (laughs) feel monica um yeah so i think that iron man specifically knowing that daddy favreau can direct something like this yeah and direct something like swingers he did not direct swingers (laughs) (laughs) he wrote swingers let me backtrack here (laughs) knowing daddy favreau can dabble into something like iron man and something like swiggers good is astonishing no definitely um uh, this is this is the movie that put him on the map as a director as someone capable of dealing with big action packed a big big fucking movie yeah so I don't know anything about directing in the in, in like a firsthand way because that having the decision making job sounds horrible to me. It's spicy. But the thought of handling something of that scale is insane. Not only that, but like you're setting the precedent for like the rest of the MCU basically. Yeah, because this was the first. This was like the first. Yeah. Like the first good one. <laughs> like well, it's the, the first one period, the but first it's first one. Yeah. But people really liked it. Film film folk and uh, plebes alike. All. All folk. <laughs> all folk enjoyed. All folks enjoyed. Basically, in this film, Pepper Potts, who is played by Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh. We love her. Wanted. We love her in this house. We love we stan Gwyneth. We stan Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> uh, if you have not seen The Goop Lab on Netflix, I encourage you to do so. That shit gets you real horny real fast. If you've never purchased a Goop product, highly recommend. Highly You'll recommend. feel like a millionaire. Oh, yeah. 100%. Everything's like $700, but it's worth it. It's so worth it. Um, yeah. So <laughs> she, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, Pepper Potts, she's like the moral compass of the show, basically. Yeah. She, I, she's there to show Tony Stark, Robert, Robert Downey Jr., like the way, basically. I, I will say, though, I felt like there was very little development of that relationship. So little. She just walks in. And the first time you see her and you're like, oh, okay, there's something more here than she's just his assistant. And, and her then hair is they so go orange. to that like gala or whatever. And she's wearing like that backless dress. Yeah, and, she's and like, they have that moment. <laughs> and I'm like, where did this come from? She's like, uh, a martini <laughs> extra dry with like a lot of olives, like at <laughs> least like five or six olives. Just only a glass of olives. Just olives. That's all I'll take. <laughs> But yeah, oh, and she's like dancing, and this is like an iconic line. But she's like, "I'm not wearing deodorant." Oh my god! <laughs> and she's like, "I'm I'm dancing with my boss in a backless dress, and I'm not wearing deodorant." And he's like, "What the fuck ever?" Is that supposed to be something that like makes her relatable? Probably, and that's why I'm bringing it up. Is like. It's not enough for you to just throw in a line like that to make a female character relatable. Like, well, actually because she's, make her she's, relatable. Especially because she's not a developed character. She's not. At all. Why would you say that? And so that? you have this, like, nothing character. I'm sorry, Gwyneth, you're not nothing. But, like, not you nothing. weren't... There, there wasn't a lot to this character. Not at all. And then all of a sudden you see her and she's like, I'm not wearing deodorant. <laughs> and you're like, okay. <laughs> it's just, like... Oh, my God. And then I think with someone like Gwyneth Paltrow, like, this bitch has a fucking Oscar. She does. <laughs> what is she That doing bitch does film? have a fucking Oscar. <laughs> you 
you are you are correct. And she's in this movie. And then she's in more Marvel movies and forgets that she's been. I know. I know. On the chef show, she like admits that she, she or she's was like it, talking about the movie she's been in. I forget which one. It was Spider-Man or Avenger. Spider-Man. It was Spider-Man. Yeah. It was Spider-Man. And she was like, I'm in that. And he's like, John. John's just like, yeah, yeah. We, we shot them at the same time. So you're in both. And she's like, oh, I didn't know. I guess it does make sense if you're shooting at the same time. You don't like it fully makes sense comprehend. If you're, a millionaire billionaire like and you're Winnie doing Paltrow. so many things and you own an enormous enormous like corporation that caters to you know women rich women who want to turn themselves back into fetuses basically <laughs> um what i will say that i love about this movie even though i mean at the end of the day it was still a superhero movie for yeah, me with and a great soundtrack not my favorite it did have a really good soundtrack mm-hmm. you're correct but i think my favorite thing is, is that john favreau is just such a fucking nerd and he wanted to do this so badly so badly. and he got to do it and that like made me smile like a proud mother um even though he is because my father he's not only your daddy he's also your son he's also my son and your don't husband. get it wrong folks don't get it twisted <laughs> yeah overall i think that the movie is a really great like standalone film which yeah. cannot be said for a lot of the movies in the mcu uh, yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that even about movies that don't have sequels yet. Like Absolutely. Like um like Captain Marvel. Oh yeah. Uh, there was so much in that movie that related it to the just other ended movies. There. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that when I saw it I was like, I don't know what the fuck is going on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but um Iron Man is a great flick. I think that I'm not the biggest fan of Iron Man 2 or iron man 3 but i'm so sorry John. i digress <laughs> i think we'll get into that in a, in future episodes maybe we'll we do might, like an mcu one when we do an rdj episode maybe we might delve into how we feel about that you know although like there are movies like tropic thunder that we could be talking about so. <laughs> oh dear a conversation for a different day monica a different time <laughs> but truly i think that iron man in and of itself was a huge feat for daddy favreau i think he really nailed it and i think that beyond just making a big ass big budget blockbuster film i think he really like solidified himself as a director capable of doing more than just like the indie film yeah absolutely i mean it's what it's what has gotten him to doing you know the mandalorian yep 2008 baby that was a good year for him that was a good year for you we stand daddy favreau (laughs) and now the creme de la creme the pièce de résistance the pièce de résistance the masterpiece uh chef chef Louis Chef. <laughs> uh, Chef is a fantastic film. It is also a very personal film for both Jessica and I. Oh, absolutely obsessed with this movie. Obsessed. When I found out that it didn't get like glowing reviews from every oh like gosh. universally, no. I was uh, shocked. I was devastated. Truly, yeah. I think that I think that movies like Chef are really hard to as a as a critique. Uh, <laughs> movies like Chef are really hard to like pinpoint because they're such personal small film it was a very it was a little tiny indie film that john favreau just made because he wanted to get back to that he wanted to get to he wanted to get back to like the swingers favreau yeah and i think you could argue that like the bare bones of the story aren't that interesting on their own not at you all know, just a chef who gets mad very gets basic fired. ass basic ass plot yeah basic super basic F- failed ass chef who was once great yeah, decides I'm also, to go back to 
his passion. I'm also not usually fans of stories uh, for personal reasons about like <laughs> fathers trying to reconnect with the children that they not abandoned but like like pay no attention to yeah just kind of like uh brush off absolutely you know because they did have him and his child in the movie have a that relationship that was an integral but... part of the book maybe we should tell we should tell we you should tell people about. <laughs> uh basically so in 2014 john favreau shifted his focus from directing blockbusters such as iron man and cowboys and aliens another hot commodity to directing and starring in a smaller, more personal film called Chef. And uh, here we go. Here's the plot. Here's the synopsis, if you will. After a controlling owner, Dustin Hoffman, pushes him too far, Chef Carl Casper, John Favreau, quits his position at a prestigious Los Angeles restaurant as he tries to figure out what his next step should be. He finds himself in Miami. Carl joins forces with his ex-wife, Sofia Vergara, uh, best friend, <laughs> why does it say John Albert like we saw mom? I have no idea. <laughs> and son, MJ Anthony, to launch a food truck business. And the venture provides a chance to reignite his passion for cooking, as well as his zest for life and love. Yeah, baby. What a plot, baby. What a, what a plot. It. I oh, yeah. I didn't see this movie when it first came out. I saw it a few years later. What about you? I saw this I saw this film for the first time wow, I started there. I saw this film for the first time like two years ago. Okay. Um it's fantastic. I, I love this fell film. in love with this movie. It very quickly became one of those movies for me where like if I don't know what to watch or in a, or am in a bad mood. I'll put that on. I'll yeah. put that on because mm-hmm. it's great. It's not I don't want it to seem like I put it on as like white noise, but it's comforting. And when I can go in and out of it comfortably and still like be engaged and like laugh with it, you know? Absolutely. I put it I put it on while cooking all the time. Yeah. All the time. Like too often. Yeah. I think that it's a really great movie that has really inspired me to like go back to cooking in a way. Um and like not to get too sappy but like (laughs) cooking has really changed my life and i think that it truly started it started for two reasons one it started because of uh this youtuber called binging with babish yes and specifically the episode where he makes the roly-poly-oly pasta (laughs) monica calls this pasta the roly-poly-oly pasta because she can't say the name of it (laughs) it's like aglio olio yeah that one um (laughs) Uh, where he specifically makes the like the roly poly oly pasta, <laughs> and it like I was like, where does this like passion come from? Yeah, and I looked into Chef, and at the time, my husband basically was like, oh, like have you never seen this film? And I was like, I have not, I have not seen this film. <laughs> it's it's the same. He was like, it's the same guy who directed Iron Man. He does not sound like that. <laughs> Um, That's exactly what Monica's husband sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, uh, it really just like reignited, not not to steal from the fucking synopsis, it like reignited <laughs> my love for cooking and like my passion for life. No, I get that. In like, a really, like a really sensitive way, I That's guess. how I felt about The Chef Show, which came out of the movie Chef, where Jon Favreau teams up with Roy Choi, who is Roy the one Choi. who ch- trained him for the movie. Um, and they basically just like, go around and like talk to people and cook with people some of them are actors and filmmakers um but others are just like 
other people who are also passionate about food or who are chefs and they just like cook together and talk about cooking and that like really really got me resonated got me into cooking again yeah um and now it's like a huge part of my life and that's one of the reasons why i love john favreau so much is because that king (laughs) (laughs) is because he makes these amazing movies but he also makes things that like connect with people on a really personal level and he cares a lot about that absolutely i think that a lot of the reason why chef hits like cuts real deep is because it's not just about you know it's not just about john favreau's journey with his own film work right so a lot of people like to compare it to like oh well the whole point is like carl casper is supposed to be like you know john favreau directing iron man and then he falls and he's trying to do something that he's more passionate about what have you i think it's not just about that but it's john favreau has a really deep passion for sorry for speaking for you daddy favreau <laughs> but john favreau has a has a real passion and a real zest for communicating with people on a really basic level and storytelling on a really basic level yeah. and doing it in whatever scale right so like taking really small stories and blowing them up as big as 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 the world or making them as small as a little mouse like i love that about john favreau and i think that for specifically chef taking a story as simple as just a failed ass chef who starts a food truck after like getting like bogged down by this critic i think taking a story as simple as that and creating this like really vibrant world with the the soundtrack so like the music the food like you can smell the food through the screen oh my god yeah uh which is just so it's so vibrant and so it's so valuable to the experience just as a whole watching this film and i think that you know just from this podcast alone you can see how much this film has impacted us by the way that we're talking about <laughs> because this we movie. made this podcast uh it's the reason we made this podcast i think that a lot of the times people think you know a film has to be a very specific kind of film yeah in to, order to make to be important artistic impact or or be important yeah i don't think so you know and to your point, Jessica, I don't necessarily care for the story of like the parent reuniting with the kid. <laughs> right. Well, that's I, what I'm saying is that's not a story I usually care for. Not at period, all. Because it doesn't seem genuine to me. But in this film, in this movie, it is. especially because I don't think he started like I don't think he took his son with him as like, I'm going to repair our relationship. Not at all. I think he just did it because he's like a dad and he's like, eh, he'll learn some things. And then as a result, their relationship got so much stronger. And so that that makes me believe like, okay, that's a real that's a real that's dynamic. A real that's a real relationship. relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. I think to that point, I think that you could say some similar things about his relationship with his, with his ex-wife. Totally. Um, played by Sofia Vergara. Um, the hot, spicy, delicious woman. Yeah. Um, she, she, you know, Carl Casper, his character and his ex-wife have this like really complicated relationship where they have to be close because they have a son that they share together. They're divorced. But, you know, there's still a little spark there. I think a lot of the, a lot of it was like his lack of passion for life and like yeah. his lack of passion for food that made them sort of like like drove them apart. And the fact that he wasn't tending to his son Percy as much made her sort of resent him. And I think that there's this really special moment in the film that I think really captures that complicated ass relationship where he flies to Miami with them mm-hmm. and they go to Sofia Vergara's character's dad's club 
it's like a cuban a cuban uh yeah. cuban club it's it's fun it's popping it's in miami we, we love it we know it we've <laughs> never been to it um and john favreau carl casper he's like talking to her dad and her and he's like oh this is like these they're having cubanos and he's like they're these are delicious i want wake percy up because percy his son is like asleep i want him to try these and everyone's like just fucking let the boy sleep they're like it's fine and he looks over at 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 his ex-wife and he goes like oh like i've always you know I, i love this food like these are the best and she looks over at him and gives him like this sly little smile and is like yours are better (laughs) <laughs> no that's it's such a and great moment it's like the, the tiniest moment but you see that connection there and you see how complicated their fucking relationship well is. that's something that i love about what john favreau did with her character in general because it's not a very big character she's not in much of the movie not but at all. she she is so good in this film and i don't think people talk enough about how good sofia vergara is in this movie because she's not given a whole lot to she's work not with. She's like a star, I guess, but in like, this film. He could have so easily written her as just like, oh, she's like this single mom. But she's like a single mom who has a lot of money because and she has like a really high powered job. Yep. And she's a really strong woman. And she's like not afraid to deal with his bullshit. Exactly. Yeah. And she's a woman who appreciates passion. Right. Which is the whole like her whole thing is the reason she's not with this man is he's he's not passionate yeah and the whole arc at the end is they get back together they get remarried because he like reignites this passion yeah and i think the key thing there is that like he he did it they didn't make it her responsibility in the movie to fix broken john favreau no one fixed broken men she was just kind of witnessing him being broken and you know she reassures him and she kind of like bolsters his confidence but I mean, they don't ever make it her responsibility to take care of him and to like to reignite those passions, which I think is really, really important because I don't think I would have bought them getting back together at the end. Not if at all. She had been the one to like, you know, fix him. Absolutely. And I think that we don't see that in a lot of movies. We don't see yeah. the role of the woman being in like the better position than the man. <laughs> yeah. And like she didn't lift a finger no to to change him or or help him or do anything she was just like be <laughs> the most iconic line in the whole film yeah my nanny can't come to miami uh you can babysit percy <laughs> <laughs> like she has to go there for work because she's this really high-powered job which is really ambiguous in the film i don't think it's no ever you never find out what she does but you definitely know it's like it's something, something like big and kind of fancy yeah because her crazy. ex-husband in it she has a second ex-husband or a first, a ex-husband, first ex-husband. This ex-husband came before she married John Favreau, and it is played by Robert Downey Jr. And he's Ugh, the one who yeah. gives um, <clears throat> John Favreau the the truck. Yeah, the, to start the big truck, the El Jefe, the El Jefe. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think that the the truck being all dejected and sad and full of like disgusting crap <laughs> is like a really good metaphor for like the state that John Favreau is in. Yeah, because I mean. I mean, I don't think we're supposed to think he's rich, but I I would assume he has, you know, at least like a little (laughs) bit of dough to invest in a truck, especially if his 
ex-wife is telling him she's the one who like gave him the idea to start a truck yeah she like planted the she's what a woman she She planted planted seeds there is something about a woman who just plants seeds and and walks away away. Mm -hmm. we love that we love them um but i think that that really fixing this truck up with his son was a really pivotal moment in them repairing their relationship yeah and i love how twitter for some fucking reason plays a huge role a huge role it's like one of those movies where they'll they they like give you a visual element about twitter well they'll show like the little birds like tweeting tweeting and like flying around to other people to show like how information travels (laughs) travels which I think is so cute and so 2014. I think I read something somewhere. Like it was either Variety or like Hollywood Reporter or something where John Favreau was giving like, like a like five years later or something. How long has it been? I don't know. Um, this movie came out in 2014. I can't do basic math. <laughs> um, he was giving this like this like interview about like what that movie was and like what it meant to him. And he was talking about how like Twitter like is a character in this sure. movie. <laughs> yeah. And how like the the in the age of the internet like something like a shitty ass tweet to a fake ass critic can really fuck you up yeah um oh and my, uh, yeah we're living in the middle of like the most absolutely. extreme cancel culture in the world so uh, yeah it plays a huge role and i i love how this movie tackles like the pain and like the rejection and like those feelings of of feeling like you you've failed because someone else tells you you've failed yeah right like this critic played by oliver platt we love him we 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 love love him him. um he he's so mean and he's so visceral but he's right he's right yeah he he knows that that carl casper's Mm -hmm. like spirit is not in it anymore not at all yeah i think that in this in the case of this movie like tough love in the form of this oliver platt critic yeah i think really encapsulates what like how to push someone out of the nest how to push someone to to pursue their passion beyond just like being a nurturing person yeah um i know because i'm a fucking bitch and i think that every single time that i'm (laughs) giving quote-unquote tough love I think it's because I believe in that person. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't work for everyone. But in the case of like this film, you know, this critic really pushed John Favreau's character, Carl Casper, out of the nest. And, you know, yes, it had to happen in like sure. the worst way. Uh, but he did it. He, it's molten. He did. <laughs> <laughs> he, he did it. He found um, his passion. And I think that's one of my favorite things about the movie as a whole is that it's like so clearly such a passion excuse me project for John Favreau like there are so many huge actors in very small roles tiny Dustin Hoffman is in it for like he's three minutes total Scarlett Johansson Bobby Cannavale John Leguizamo I mean he's in a good deal of it he's in a good chunk of it yeah yeah you know there are these huge people and I think that's a testament to like John Favreau's reputation within Hollywood because I don't think that these people would have done it and taken such tiny roles if they didn't believe in him, love him and yeah. believe in him as a filmmaker, even though this movie isn't like, I mean, it was it was a success. It's a it's a critical and commercial success, but it's not, you know, like it didn't it's not like a filmy film. It's not like a film, like, yeah. like an art film or but like. It, 
it reminds me a lot of a conversation he had with Roy Choi on the Chef Show. Oh, yes. Where Roy was talking about like starting to get into making pizza. And he's like, you know, I make pizza. It's like bowling alley pizza. Yeah. But it's not, it's not, you know, it's not like Italian pizza, but it like, it satisfies people in a different way and yeah. it's still good in its own way. And I think that's a lot of what John Favreau does with movies is that it's not always like the creme de la creme in terms of, you know, like accolades right. and criticism, not but they satisfy so many people on such a level. And I do think that's really necessary. Yeah. I mean, going back to like his ability to just tell a story and tell it well and yeah. in a way that like touches a lot of people and the scale doesn't matter. There are some directors and writers and actors out there that cannot tell a story on different scales. Like the yeah. like the story has to be as big as the scale of the film or it doesn't work. And I think you have to be a really magical, special unicorn person to make that happen. I agree. And he is one of them. He he is the one. Uh, Not the only one or else we wouldn't have more. <laughs> of this. Um, uh, I think that I think we'll leave you with this. How you make a chocolate lava cake <laughs> from Chef 2014. You bake the chocolate lava cakes in these little ramekins, but before you put them in the oven, you take a small sphere of frozen chocolate ganache and you plop them like little babies in the center. You bake them, and then when the customer, Oliver Platt, <laughs> opens it to eat, cuts into it, it melts. Mm -hmm. It's molten. It's molten. It's not undercooked. <laughs> um, fantastic. So that that wraps up our little review of John Fav, and I think the three movies that exemplify like what he's all about for us. Absolutely, you know, he's. I mean, uh, yeah, he he can do big, he can do small, he can do he can do it all. He can do it all. Wow. <laughs> Uh, moving on to our next segment, baby. <laughs> this is just a little way we want to wrap up the show, you guys. John Favreau's a big dabbler. He's a big dabbler. He loves to dabble in all things cooking, hacky sacking, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he is, uh, he's really fucking good at hacky sack. I would love to learn. He was nicknamed Johnny Hack. Johnny Hack. At Queens College because he was so fucking good. <laughs> uh, he's worked on Wall Street. Yeah, I mean, I think that was less of a dabble and more like, I need to make money. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, comedian, actor, director, writer, almost restauranteur. Yeah. Amateur chef, cook. Yeah, so I guess we'll just, we want to go over like what, what we've been uh, kind of dabbling in. Yeah. Jessica, why don't you start? Um, lately, I've been trying to get in i mean i cook a lot and i bake a lot but i've never baked like something really fancy like pastry for example Ooh. so i started dabbling in that this week um it epically failed yes it did which resulted in me having to bring <laughs> store-bought pastries to this <laughs> podcast recording but that's okay um i will it's try okay again i will try again i i mean it was fun but i got the it's literally a science, and I haven't figured it yeah, out yet. Yeah, I mean, so. Claire Saffitz from uh, Bon Appetit, R.I.P., by the way. 
RIP just that whole operation. Well, <laughs> more on that later. To clarify, Claire is a live Bon Appetit is. Yeah, Bon know? Appetit is mm, teetering, teetering <laughs> on that line. Uh, what have you dabbled in, Monica? What I've been dabbling in. I have been dabbling in a lot of like, uh, like graphic design type oh, stuff. I've okay. been dabbling. You did make the 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 logo did, for this so <laughs> for this podcast. The uh, the podcast artwork is by me. Yeah, uh, you're welcome, world. <laughs> um, I've been sort of dabbling in like Procreate and like trying different brushes and and stuff like that. And I've I've definitely ep- epically failed at a lot of that stuff. And I think that with dabbling. <laughs> You're not always great. There will be so many failures. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been doing that, playing around with like Photoshop, stuff like that. Really honing my craft. Yeah. I really think going that's good. for it. I think that's good. Yeah. Uh, and then we also want to end here by ta- always taking a, a question. Question from, from our you lovely, guys. our lovely audience. Uh, if you guys don't know, we do take questions for a segment. What would John Favreau do where we give you questionable advice? On uh, what we think John Favreau would it do. It would be pretty much, you can ask situation. us pretty much anything. If it's something relevant to the podcast, that yeah, would be great. But if not, <laughs> that's cool. We are taking anonymous questions at John Favreau's allegedly my daddy at gmail.com. Yeah, we'll have all that contact info in the description in the show notes. of the pod. We did have one question already, though, for, for this episode. Oh, well, what's the question? It is, what do you recommend watching like as a movie uh-huh. for someone who has issues committing to watching movies basically like attention problems who is used to only watching like 30 minute tv shows what do you recommend any watching? harold and kumar movie <laughs> see my my recommendation was a little sassier i was like you might just not watch movies but <laughs> um, um i think that's valid i think we're in a tv age so i do not blame I don't blame it. I don't blame this whatsoever. If that's what makes you... I say watch what makes you happy. Watch the chef show, actually. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Watch the chef show. Also, like, you know, something that a lot of people don't necessarily watch or appreciate are, like, the stoner comedies. Very quick, like, literally 90-minute films. uh, Pineapple Express. The other ones. (laughs) Every other stoner comedy. Every other stoner comedy. Anything by Seth Rogen yeah, is Seth a Rogen's quick ass film. I feel like you'll like it. Um, uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Just like a really funny comedy. Yeah, a really fucking funny comedy. Don't watch The Hangover, though. That one's a little a little more artsy. <laughs> and a little <laughs> <Yeah>. less. <laughs> that one was trying to be a film, you that guys. That one was trying to be a film-ass film. <laughs> directed by the same guy who directed Joker. Oh, <laughs> Uh, another tale for another, another tale episode for another episode <laughs> um yeah watch any any funny raunchy quick-witted comedy and i think that you will be happy with yeah it. especially because i think you can watch 30 minutes of that movie pause it or turn it off for the day and then and go do up. something else and then keep watching it later yeah. and i don't think you have to feel guilty about that because i feel a lot of guilt doing stuff like that with like filmy films film ass films which is i mean it's valid you should watch it all in one sitting <laughs> but if i'm watching it like in my living room sometimes it's hard for me to like really get in the zone of sitting down yeah. and staring at a screen for three hours yeah. i mean not the irishman though it never <laughs> the i you know that movie was a breeze it was an absolute breeze so and a glad. delight <laughs> that movie was like a swift breeze on a hot day wow <laughs> 
But yeah, I think those are our recs. Uh, yeah. Chef Show, any stoner comedy. Uh, Harold and Kumar. <laughs> Specifically, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. That's a personal favorite. Uh, go watch that. Um, and then, as always, you know, if you like a film, you like it. It doesn't yeah. have to be a film-ass film, as we say. And if you just don't like watching movies... Watch your TV. Watch TV. Care, man. TV is good. I recently started watching The Big Bang Theory. And for the first three seasons, I don't know why they think it's a bad show. I, I, I'll get there. I'll get there. <laughs> I think a lot of people will be mad at you. but I'll get there. Um, so great. I guess we'll, we'll leave you with this, you guys. Um, or rather, this is an ending out for John Favreau himself. Uh, please don't sue us, Daddy Favreau. Hashtag, please don't sue us, Daddy Favreau. <laughs> I don't think he can legally sue us. I don't think we're breaking any laws. But just in case. Please don't please sue don't. us. Please don't. Don't do it. We love you. We love you. I love you. I love you, Monica. Goodbye. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.